are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Hi, this week after uh, that awesome vote last Sunday where you said we agree and we believe it's time to move forward with the rehab of the sanctuary. So, Kate asked you to mark November 17 on your calendar. If you'll do that today, it'll be great. We'll all go to dinner together. It's going to be an awesome night. We've asked for some help as we take next steps in this project. And uh, Kent and Stephanie Schellenberger and Clay and Tilney Franks are going to kind of co-lead this movement as we move forward. Everybody's going to get involved, and we're really excited about this project. Uh, some people have been asking, so when do we actually start tearing things up in here? That probably will not happen until the month of May next year. So we're moving toward that. Hey, Kate, I'm with you. The presence of the Lord is here. I love worshiping with you this morning. Um, so let's just talk about God for a little while. We use words to help us think about God. Words like um, theologians give us. So the word uh, omnipresent, do you know what it means? It means that God is everywhere. Or um, omniscient would mean that God knows everything. So just try to think about this, okay? You cannot have a thought that God does not know your thinking. He knows everything. And you can't go anywhere that God is not. He is everywhere. We have another word that we use, and the word is omnipotent. So if somebody asks you, what's the word omnipotent mean? Do you think you could give a good definition and have a good conversation about what we mean when we say that God is omnipotent? So let me give you a definition, okay? Omnipotent means having unlimited power, able to do anything. And so what we're saying by that is that as we study Scripture, we are convinced that God has unlimited power. In other words, there is nothing that God cannot do. God can do anything God wants to do. There is no limit to the power of God. So it was really what Paul was talking about in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Look at these words. He says, Now to him, meaning God, who is able to do far more. So what do you mean by far more? Well, we mean abundantly beyond, Paul says. All right? All that we could ask or even think. So Paul says, you know, when you ask God to do something, when you pray and you're asking God to do something, he says, you understand, right? That God is able to do far more than you're asking. He's able to do abundantly beyond what you're asking. I mean, God can do anything. In fact, Paul says, He's able to do far more than you could even think up, or that you could imagine, or that you can dream. I mean, God has unlimited power. God can do anything that God wants to do. God can do far more than you would ever ask, abundantly more than you would ask. He can even do far more than you can think up. Or even imagine. He can do abundantly more than you can even imagine. You can dream of. So I was at some people's house recently. And I looked on their counter in the kitchen. And there was this little plate sitting there on this little stand. And so I took a picture of it because I didn't want to forget it and hear the words. When God answers my prayers, sometimes He says yes. And sometimes He says no. And sometimes he says, you got to be kidding me. And so I think I've probably prayed a few of those prayers where God said, really, Rick, are you thinking, you got to be kidding me. 
So, so look at my eyes for a minute, would you? You ever pray a prayer like that where you look back on it and say, God might be saying, seriously? But there's another side to this story. So while I'm sure that you and I have prayed prayers over the years that maybe we shouldn't have prayed, here's my question. Do you think that there are other prayers that we're not praying that we should be praying? Do you know what I'm asking? I mean, like, do we really believe that God can do anything? Do we really believe that God has unlimited power? There are no limits to what God can accomplish. Do we really believe that God can do far more than we would ever ask or abundantly beyond what we would ask or far more than we can even dream up or abundantly beyond what we can dream up? So, so while I, I admit to you that there's probably been times that I've prayed prayers that I maybe shouldn't have prayed, but it was, you know, not, not intentional. Maybe I asked for things I shouldn't have asked for. I don't know. But I wonder if also there's been many times in my life where I didn't pray what I should have prayed for. Because maybe I just wasn't convinced that God really does have all power and can do anything. So what I would love to do is ask you to open your Bible to the book of Matthew, okay? Chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. Because what I've been doing is studying over these last several months the book of Matthew. And as I've been studying in the book of Matthew, I've come to realize something, okay? And I want to talk about it for the next several weeks with you. What I've realized is that in Jesus, okay, we see God giving beyond what is asked of Him. And it just happens over and over and over again. So here's what happens. Somebody comes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm wondering if you maybe could do me a favor. If you could do this for me. And, and what Jesus does is far more than what they ask for. It just happens over and over again. In Jesus, we see God giving beyond what is asked for. So like somebody comes to Jesus and says, Hey, hey I was wondering if maybe you could heal me because I'm, I'm needing healing. And not only did Jesus heal them, but He also said, Okay, and your sins are forgiven too. So they came just asking to be healed, but Jesus says, I'm going to heal you, but I'm going to do something even better for you. I'm going to give you more. And so throughout the Gospel of Matthew, it's just like over and over again. People come to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, could I have this much? And Jesus says, I'm going to give you this much. Somebody else shows up and says, Hey, Jesus, can I have just this much? And Jesus says, Yes, you can have that much, but I'm going to give you more. And, and in Jesus, I just see God giving more than what He is asked of. So, if you're open to chapter 4, let me give you a little context. In 1986, the Sea of Galilee in the nation of Israel was unusually low because of drought. And some people were walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee one day and sticking up out of the mud was a boat. It's considered one of the greatest archaeological finds in recent history. Here's a picture of the boat. They begin to dig carefully. They begin to get the dirt all moved away. They went through weeks of preparation to lift this thing out of the mud. And they've mounted it on this frame now, and it's on display in a museum, and I got to see it a couple of months ago. So what makes the boat so interesting is this, that it is carbon dated 
to the exact time frame of Jesus' life. In other words, archaeologists say, we believe that this boat existed and was being used in the water in the Sea of Galilee when Jesus was alive. And so what it tells us is, this is a boat very much like the boat that Simon Peter or his brother Andrew would have used to fish in, or it's very much like the boat that James and John would have used to fish in. And so the reason we're talking about it today is because one day Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. We're in chapter 4 now, okay? And he sees these two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were in a boat, probably something like that, because they were fishing, because they were fishermen. And so Jesus says to them this. Here's what he says. Now get this, all right? He goes, follow me, you two. Come with me and I will teach you how to fish for people. And so the Bible says that they leave their nets and their boats and they follow Jesus. And then he sees two other brothers, James and John. And Jesus says to them, follow me. And they follow him. Everything has changed. We used to fish every day, but we don't fish anymore. Now we go with Jesus. This used to be our life, but it's no longer our life. We're doing something very different. One day everything changed for us. Our lives used to look like this, but now our lives look like this. We have this purpose. We have this call. We have meaning. We have mission. We have something very important to accomplish with our lives. We used to hang out over here, but we don't hang out over here anymore. Now we follow this man Jesus everywhere he goes. So that takes us to verse 23. You ready? Here we go. So Jesus went throughout Galilee the upper third of the nation of Israel, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So what happens when Jesus is doing all this stuff? Well, news spread about him all over Syria. And this is what happened. People brought to him, I mean, think about this list, all who were ill with various diseases, um, those suffering severe pain, all right, You're kind of beginning to get a picture of the crowd that's showing up. Demon-possessed people. People having seizures. You're beginning to look at this crowd. Can you see them in your mind? People who are paralyzed. I mean, they're carrying them in on mats, right? Read the next four words with me. And he healed them. And so what happens after that? Large crowds from Galilee... The Decapolis, the, I mean Decapolis, so you think of Deca, ten, right? That means ten cities just to the northeast. Galilee, the Decapolis. Jerusalem is a city in the region of Judea and the region across the Jordan. They all begin to follow Jesus. So you've heard last week some. 110 years ago, 110 years ago, there was nothing in this community. There were a few wooded areas of trees. There weren't any buildings. There weren't any houses. There wasn't a church, a university, a children's hospital, nothing like that. It was just land. And a guy bought the land. His name was C.B. Jernigan. Do you know why he bought this land right here? The reason he bought this land was because there was a rail that went all the way, a train from El Reno to downtown Oklahoma City. And so C.B. Jernigan was looking for land to buy, a Nazarene minister, and he says, I think if we buy this land right here, at least we've got transportation to downtown Oklahoma City. 
Don't want to be in the city, but we want to be able to get to the city. And so he bought land that we're on right here. A lot of this land. And so C.B. Jernigan says, what I really want to do is proclaim this kingdom of God message to people. But not only do I want to preach it, proclaim it, I want to teach it. I want to explain what the kingdom of God looks like. Right? But I don't want to just talk about it and explain it. I want to demonstrate it. And so he built a church. And he built a school. And he begins to think about compassionate ministry with a lady named Maddie Lowry. And so they start with an orphanage and a home for girls who are young, teenagers who have become pregnant but not married, who's going to care for these girls and their babies. And so it was this idea that we want to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we also want to teach, but we also want to demonstrate what that kingdom of God looks like. How do you live that out every day? You love people who are hurting. That's what you do. And so today, kind of the result is a church and a school next door and a hospital across the street. So Jesus shows up in Galilee. It's about 300,000 people at the time, about 200 small villages and towns, and here's what he does when he shows up. He comes preaching. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim that the kingdom of God is coming, okay? There's this new kingdom that you can be a part of. It's not like any other kingdom of this world. It's a kingdom where there's good news for everybody, even people who don't get good news, like poor people and sick people and people who are blind and people who have never walked before. This is what the kingdom of God is about, okay? And he begins teaching, explaining the kingdom of God, but then he begins healing, demonstrating this is what life looks like in the kingdom of God. Incredible things happen to people in the kingdom of God. People who have never walked get to walk. People who are blind get to see. People who are hungry, they get to eat. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. And so you can kind of imagine where it goes from here. The response is crazy good. People start showing up because they have needs too. All right, so here we go. Let's just get honest and frank with each other. It's Sunday morning, September 2019. I've come to church. Rick is up there, and he's really worked up over this passage in the Gospel of Matthew. And he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us that throughout this Gospel of Matthew... That people come to Jesus and they ask for this much and He does this much for them. Why is that important? Here's why it's important. I'm going to be a simple... It's not going to get any more simple than it is this morning. Here's why it's important. Because today people have all kinds of needs too. So just like 2,000 years ago people had needs, today people have needs. So here you are. You're sitting in church on Sunday morning. And you're saying, you know what? I've got needs. Some of you have financial struggles. Some of you have physical problems, dealing with sickness. Some have family stuff going on that's really hard. Somebody might say, I've got some emotional stuff going on that's tough. And, and even if you would say, I'm personally I'm doing okay, but there is somebody that I love a lot and I care about a great deal, and they're going through a really hard time. And so I just wonder if we just passed out 
pieces of cardboard this size and magic markers. And I just said to you, I want you to write your most pressing need on this piece of cardboard. What would you write? And when I said to everybody, now hold it up. Would everybody in the room hold up something? I got a feeling most everybody in the room would hold up something. So yesterday morning I got up and I'm sitting at my uh, bar in the kitchen with a cup of coffee. And I'm going over my sermon and my phone just kind of starts blowing up with group texts from different groups. And they're all saying to me, please, please, please pray for this family out in Yukon. Peter Webb, a sophomore, was playing football Friday night. Head injury, brain begins swelling. And the doctors are giving the family no hope of Peter recovering, this sophomore high school kid. I don't know how many people in our church sent me texts asking me to pray. You praying for this family today? This morning I was up in uh, one of our rooms having a meeting, just getting ready for the day, and I got a text from a teacher at that school who said, Pastor Rick, Peter just passed away. I, I don't. I got kids. I love my kids to death. I mean, my kids. I can't imagine what this mom and dad's going through. He's got. He's got brothers. Four brothers. My heart's just broken. I'm, I'm just. I'm just trying to say to you. Do you understand how much pain there is in this world? You know how much suffering is going on. And and you're walking in and you're saying, Rick, I'm not dealing with what the Webb family is, and I'm sorry. Deeply sorry for them, but I'm, i got stuff in my life that I'm trying to work through, and it's tough right now. See, everybody has needs. You're not unusual if you have needs. You're normal if you have needs. Somebody's suffering somewhere. I sat at lunch yesterday with a school teacher. Blew my mind. Couldn't believe what she said. She said, I teach at a school just south of BFC. And did you know that our school, we have 168 students who are registered homeless. I'm like, what are you saying to me? She said, that's what I... 168 students are registered homeless. They either surf couch from family member to family member. They don't have their own address. Or they're living under a tarp or something. 168 kids in my school. I'm like, how in the world can this be possible? This is America, for heaven's sakes. So what do you do with those needs? There's a guy who attends our church. His name is Tim Haas. And Tim came to me maybe, maybe two years ago. And he just says, I, I want you to know what I think God's saying to me. And, and I want to see if, if you'll bless me and encourage me in this way. And he said, I just feel like God wants me to, to, to pray. And, and to invite people to pray with me for needs. That, that was it. I mean, it was not, it was, there's a lot of people who have needs, and I think we should pray for them. And so on Tuesday nights in the Family Life Center, Tim Haas and his wife Lisa, they lead a prayer meeting, and people just come and pray. And you know what we pray about there? We just pray for the needs of people that we're aware of. That's it. That's what we pray for. And you, you are most welcome. You are so invited to come. It's awesome. I love going on Tuesday nights and just getting to sit in a circle with a few people who just feel like God wants them to pray for others. And, and you're most welcome to join us at 6.30 on Tuesday nights. 
Again, it can't get any more simple than this. Here's what we do with our needs. Come to Jesus with them. That's it. Just come to Jesus. Whatever you're dealing with, you just come to Jesus with it. You're like, is that actually even a thing? Is that okay? It's like, I mean, Jesus has got the universe to worry about. And, you know, what I've got going on in my life. No, here's what Jesus says in Matthew. uh, The same gospel, chapter 11. So come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Is that load that you're carrying, is it heavy? And are you tired of carrying it? Just come to me and I will give you rest. If you are tired... And that burden, that load that you're carrying is heavy. You should just come to me. Jesus says, come on, that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to come to me. I'm going to give you some rest. And so, you can imagine what happens. When Jesus begins to work in the lives of these people, they begin to respond in powerful ways. Matthew says, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, the region across the Jordan. They all start following Jesus. So, why do you think they follow him? Are you like, oh, Rick, if you would have met him, you would have followed him too, man. This guy had to be magnetic, right? Or, or would you say, come on, I know why they followed him. It's the miracles. Think about it. I mean, <laughs> he's actually just zapping people and they're getting well, right? I wonder if it was something else also. So uh, try to picture with me. In that crowd that day where Jesus is doing his big work, right? Healing people. There's this guy who's never walked before. Everybody knows that he's never walked. They've carried him around on his mat his whole life. But today, he's now experiencing the kingdom of God on earth. And he is standing upright. All right? You with me? I mean, would this just be crazy good? Could you imagine? I know that guy. He's never walked before. And look at him. He's standing. I've never seen him. I've only seen him vertical. I've never seen him stand up before. You know, I've only seen him horizontal. I meant to say, I get those mixed up really bad. It's a, a doctorate doesn't mean much these days, you know. And so you say to the guy, wow, look at you. This is crazy good. Look at you. You're, you're like up. You know, you're walking. I can't. How in the world did he do this to you? And the guy says, oh, no, look at me. Is this, is this not? And then the guy says, so what are you going to do? And you know what he says? I think I'm going to go with him. What? I'm going with him. They're all leaving this afternoon. And I'm going to go with them. You're going with them? You're not staying home? No, I'm going with them. I mean, I want to be a part of this. And so what the guy comes for is ask, could you make me walk? And Jesus says, not only am I going to make you walk, but I'm going to give you something beyond walking. I'm going to give you a purpose. I'm going to give you a cause. I'm going to give your life meaning. I'm going to give you a mission. I'm going to give you a calling. Used to your life was about this, wanting to get well. Now it's going to be about this. It's just one of those stories where Jesus is asked, would you give me this much? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to give you this much. And the reason I'm drawn to it, I'll just level with you, it's because it's my story. Okay, so I was 19 years old. I grew up in this awesome Christian home, have great parents, a brother, two sisters. I'm the youngest of the four. And in my high school years, I just got off track. I mean, my life got off the rails. And I remember one Sunday night, not long after I graduated from high school, 
I went to church. And the preacher gives an invitation. And I'm telling you, I stepped out of that seat I was sitting at. And I walked down the aisle. And when I got to the altar and I was kneeling here, I knew in my mind I would never, ever, ever have to pray that prayer again. It was like, I want to be forgiven of my sins so bad. And I promise you, I'm done with that life. I don't want to live that life anymore. And I am finished. I'm going with you, Jesus, from now on. I'm done. And let me tell you something. I came wanting to be forgiven. That was what I asked for, okay? But God gave me so much more. Because when I got up, I had this heart. I had this purpose. I had meaning. I had this calling. I had this mission. And it was like, man, if Jesus can do this for me, then I want to see Jesus do this for everybody I know. I'm telling you, I didn't have enough hours in my day. And I am a 19-year-old kid just trying to figure my life out. Not anymore, buddy. I've got life figured out and I'm going for it. So I have a friend named Phil. And uh, he was in Israel recently. And so we sat down and talked to kind of compare notes. How his trip went, how my trip went. He said, I went to Israel knowing that I was going with this group of preachers. And so I was hoping there was a Baptist preacher in the group named John so I could tell people that I was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. (laughs) But he said I had to settle for Bob the Wesleyan. He told me a story story that's not recorded in the Bible. So be careful here, okay? You remember Joseph of Arimathea who, um, who goes... To the authorities after Jesus has been crucified and his body's hanging on the cross. And he says, Could I have the body of Jesus? I have a tomb. I would like to bury him in the tomb. And the authorities talk it over, and finally they go, Okay. You can go up to Golgotha. He's on the cross. You have our permission to take his body off the cross and you can bury him in a tomb. So Joseph of Arimathea had some money because you didn't own a tomb unless you had some money. So here's what a tomb looked like. And I went in a couple of them a couple of months ago. They would would just go into the side of the mountain, okay? And they would just dig out kind of a circular area, all right? And, And you could go in this circle. You kind of bend over and walk in. However... And, and they was, it was built so you could roll a round rock in front of it. The rock was kind of made round and you'd roll it in front of it. But once you got in the tomb, it's about a 10 by 10 room. Not making this up. I went in a couple of them. And so they would bury you in the tomb, meaning they would just lay your body in there on a shelf that was hewn, hewed out of the rock as well, okay? And, and then when your body deteriorated enough, they would take a little box as long as your femur, longest bone in your body, a box that long, and they would stack your bones in the box. And they put the lid on the little box, okay, put it on a shelf. So you could bury many generations in a tomb of your family, family tomb. You're learning something, aren't you? So they did burial in Jesus' day. So here's, not, here's what's not recorded in Scripture. You ready? Joseph of Arimathea says to his wife, Oh, honey, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. I lend the family tomb to a stranger this week. And his wife says, Joseph, 
How could you do such a thing? Something so important. You lend the family tomb to a stranger and you forgot to tell me? And Joseph says to his wife, it's no big deal. It's only for the weekend. <laughs> Three days, he'll be out of here. It's short term. Do I need to remind you today that God can do anything? So when I talk about anything, I'm talking about raising dead people to life. Do I need to remind you of resurrection power this morning? Do I need to tell you again that God has no limit to His power? That God can do anything? That God can go far beyond, do more abundantly beyond what we would ever ask? Or anything we might even imagine, what we can dream up? Do I need to remind you this morning of what God can do? Because you see, here's what's going on in my heart and in my mind this morning. I, I come to the Lord saying, Lord, you know, please hear, you know... Uh, would you just help me on something? I feel like that we need to re redo this sanctuary. We need to re renew this room. Can you help me? And I feel like God is saying, Rick, I want to do more than that. I want to renew the church. I want to start a fire in the people. I want to do something amazing. Is there anybody in the room besides me that says, before I die I want to be a part of a church that sees God move in a mighty way on its behalf. I like that. I like that response. And so I come asking God for this. And God says, no, I want to give you this. So you're saying, okay, Rick, I think maybe I'm with you. I've been praying about some stuff. I've been asking God, could you do this? But you're saying, God is saying, yes, I can do that, but I want to do this. I know that sometimes I pray prayers that maybe I shouldn't pray, but I wonder if I'm not praying prayers that I should be praying. I wonder if I really believe in my heart some days that God can do anything. Far more. Abundantly beyond. Anything I would ever ask or could even dream up or imagine. And so that's what I think we do here today. You received a card when you came in this morning. And uh, on the bottom there's a place that you can just rip it off. You can put your name there. And uh, maybe today you say, Rick, I want in on it. If you're telling me that God can do more... And I've come to church this morning with real needs in my life, okay? And, uh, and God truly cares about me. And God has all power. Then, then yes, I want, I want to write a prayer request down this morning. And I want you to pray with me. And I want the pastors of the church to pray with me. And I want the people who are on prayer teams here to pray with me. And you can write as much about yourself or your name as you want to. But on the back, please, just say, would you pray with me about this? And then when you leave today, you can drop it in the connect box as you walk out the door or hand it to a greeter as you leave. But it may be that you would want to come down to pray this morning too. And if you do, I want you to. And so during first service this morning, many people just said, Hey, I needed to hear this today. And I've got needs in my life. 
And, and I want to come to Jesus with them this morning. I'm tired, and this load has gotten heavy, and I really need some rest from this load that I'm carrying, from this need in my life. And I want to join with you, Rick, in believing that God is omnipotent. That there is nothing that God can't do. So why don't we stand together? And as we sing together this morning, if you want to come, but please still drop your prayer request in the box so we can pray with you this week. But if you want to come, just say, God, I'm going to come to the altar. I'm going to kneel here. I'm going to pray. And I just can't carry this by myself anymore. I'm going to ask you to carry this with me. Feel free to come as we pray. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.